step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hi, everyone. I'm Derek. Oh my god. Welcome to Screen Heroes. Am I a lovely co-host? You are my loveliest co-host. Oh, that is You are my regular co-host. Welcome to Screen Heroes episode. Welcome to Screen Heroes episode 110. I'm Derek. This is Ryan and Ray. Hello. And uh, we are here to review Ready Player One, the movie, not the book, but I'm sure we'll talk a bit about the book. Uh, we are also going to talk some news, and we have some housekeeping items to discuss before we kick things off as well. So thank you for those who are tuning in live on Twitch. Uh, Ray, why don't you tell everybody about the big MCU tournament we have going on? Okay, so just for fun, we're doing kind of a March Madness in April bracket for the MCU films. Go ahead and pick your favorite every single day. Which one you think is the best movie? Every day there are new mashups against each other, and you can choose which one you want on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So you can go check those out now. The polls only last for a day, so try to get your vote in as soon as you can. And we'll announce which film wins everything. Uh, Right before, I guess, Infinity War happens. Yeah, we are kind of sending updated brackets as we finish each round. Yeah. You know, so the first round was really short. It was just uh, two matchups, four films. Well, when you only have 18, the bracket looks weird. It's not a normal (laughs) bracket. So it's that's how, when I used a randomized generator for the brackets, so I, I just put in the 18 films and it funneled it through. That's That's all I had to do. Cool, cool. So the the first two matchups are done. So that was, um, let's see, Iron Man 2 beat out Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. And then Thor the Dark World lost to Guardians 2. Guardians Volume 2, okay. And then we do know that Thor Ragnarok beat Ant-Man. Yes, Thor Ragnarok moves on to the next round. And as we're recording this, the voting is still barely open for Captain America the First Avenger versus the Winter Soldier. It looks like the Winter Soldier is probably going to win that one. There's a big surprise. So it's shocking that the one. the superior but, film. Um, but we'll have to tie that up officially, of course, after the polls are closed. If you're on Facebook and any of those posts say that they're going for more than a day, that's a mistake because Facebook, for some reason, defaults to a week instead of a day. Um, but we're only counting the first 24 hours or so. You know you don't have to point out every time we make a mistake. I just want people to be aware if they go back and try and vote on one that's already completed. I don't want anybody to be confused. So... Um, In other news, we are actually going to be at an event here locally in Kansas City coming up on Wednesday, April 25th. We'll be at the Gathering of the Geeks, which is put on by GGKC. 
Um, they uh, focus a lot on video games and esports in the Kansas City area, but Gathering of the Geeks is just geek and nerd culture in general. It doesn't have to be video games. So we'll be there putting on a presentation, kind of talking about what the Heroes Podcast Network is, some of what our shows are about, um, and you know different things about things that we have planned coming up. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think it's just going to be you and me, Ray. Uh, probably. That, so. That's fine. Uh, you know, you don't want to come listen to us, at least come play some arcade games with us. Right. Be fun. So it's going to be at Tapcade. Yes. If you've never been to Tapcade, Tapcade's one of those kind of retro arcade uh, beer places that have opened up over the last couple of years. And this one is um, downtown in Kansas City. I'm looking at looking for the address here for anybody. You could just... Put it in the comments later. Okay, I'll put it in the comments. That's fair. Yeah, but uh, there's a Facebook event, Gathering of the Geeks number two. We will be there as one of the presenters. Other presenters will be there as well. So come check us out. Say hi. That should be lots of fun. All right. So, guys, news. What's going on in the movie TV world? A lot of stuff. First of all, all of CW shows except for two have been renewed, and those two are going to be revisited, so they're not being canceled, it's just they run on a different schedule, so um, everything except for, I believe, iZombie and... I don't know what the other one is. I forget the other one. People are getting a little nervous about iZombie. It's had really solid ratings. I wouldn't worry about it. It's just it runs through the mid-season, so they're going to deal with it in May. Each season of that show is aired at a different time, yeah. and that's just confusing to people, I think, but, you know, that's probably the worst thing about it, is that you never know when it's going to actually be on. Yeah. But all the Arrowverse shows were renewed, and Black mm-hmm. Lightning was renewed, so yes. um, good signs for all of those shows. Maybe not necessarily something that everybody wanted for all of those shows, Arrow, <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> well, we call it Smoke now. Oh, smoke. Sorry. Yeah, my bad. That makes sense. My bad. Maybe if they rebranded it, they then... could call it the Smoking Arrow. There you go. Ooh. Except Arrow really doesn't do anything anymore. He just kind of hangs out in the background. So, really, just, he's a supporting character. <laughs> he's Felicity's arm candy. Yeah. So, someone has to be. Felicity and Friends. I guess so, yeah, yeah. basically. Okay. Fair enough. I was excited to see the other shows be renewed. Yeah, I mean, Flash know, so. hasn't been great this season, but it still leaves and bounds better than Arrow and Legends. is the best <laughs> of all the CW shows this season. Yeah. To my surprise, and a lot of other people's, after the last season's uh, kind of less than stellar well, performance. you know. But this season has been great. It's my I look forward to seeing that one every week. Flash and Arrow, I just watch because I feel like I have to. For when they all cross over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and because when you've been with a show for, you know, five and a half seasons or whatever, you just kind of feel obligated to stick with it. I get that. I have a hard time giving up. Right? Because you have, you, there's always hope that it'll rebound yeah. and go back to what it once was. Yeah. So, I get you. It's sad. I keep hoping that it'll happen, but I know deep in, deep down in my heart that this is not just a fever dream that Oliver's having that he's going to wake up from and the show's going to be good again. Man, what a twist that would that, be. He actually <laughs> died at that mid-season finale in season three when uh, Rachel Ghoul kicked him over the edge and everything else is... It's a shame because I, I really love the cast, like the actual actors themselves. I think they're all great and I like watching them. It's the stories that just totally lost me. Yeah. It just became like a superhero soap opera. And that's well, the issue me. is Green Arrow 
has never been a great character on his own. He works really well in the Justice League, and he works really well during uh, the Green Lantern mashups because they're such... And when he's with Black Canary, you know? And yeah. He did some stuff early on with Black Lightning. That was pretty cool, but obviously they're not going to do that in the no. CW-verse. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Why, why, better in a group. Why, why not? They're not in the same universe. I mean, neither Supergirl. Yeah, but so, have you watched Black Lightning? Not, I know the answer to this. Not yet. No. No, I have not yet, but... I'm just saying, they also said that Supergirl was never going they to cross did say that either. There's no reason the Flash can't accidentally run to his universe. I think that so. these characters are so much different than their comic book counterparts, uh, at the very least Arrow is, uh, that I don't think it would work as well as it did in the comic books. That may be. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. Without watching Black Lightning, I can't say that. But just from a logistical standpoint, if they wanted to do it. Oh, I'm sure. And, I mean, it's you know. a creative thing. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. Thank you, Bruce Wayne, 20... 25? 26? I can't 25. Remember. 25. Yeah. Uh, the 100 is the one I was looking for. That's another one with a big fan following that people are worried about. But again, I, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, the 100's always had a really strong core fan base. And exactly. The That's the thing about the CW is that all of their shows have the giant fan base. And At least giant for CW's. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're not pulling in Chuck Lorre numbers, but they're also <laughs> not putting out, you know... Pedantic crap. So no, that's 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 true. <laughs> like Chuck Lorre. A couple Lori. of them are getting close. Well, huh. it's never pedantic. It may be crap, true. but it's never pedantic. <laughs> Shallow and pedantic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So in other news, Shazam Suitgate 2018. <laughs> Shazam Watch. Zachary <laughs> Levi did a uh, uh, think an Instagram live stream, something like that, or Twitter live stream. One of those. Anyway, somebody sent him a message and literally just said in all caps, "Why the crap suit?" <laughs> and I mean, that's well thought out. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> and he basically said that, I'm sorry things are going wrong for you in your life. <laughs> I really like the suit, and I think it's awesome looking. Or no, I think he, I think he said boss or something like that. Oh, I like but, that. Uh, yeah, he can pretty much shut the guy down. So that's Good. that's your Shazam suit update. We're, I think they're just, they watch our show, and so they're like, we're just never going to reveal an official photo. <laughs> we'll just drop little things yeah. for, for the screen. And we'll, and we'll continue the, the Shazam suit gate. Shazam suit gate. Yeah. That's anyway, awesome. I'm sure there's other news, but I figured I'd yes. chime that in. Well, there's casting rumors. So fans have started a petition to get Meryl Streep to take over in the role of Leia. And I don't know what movies they're watching or what fans they are. Maybe they're fans of, like, you know, CW shows, and that's why they think this is a good idea. But (laughs) I really hope this doesn't happen. And then there's also... uh, Woody Harrelson was cast in the Venom movie, and there's rumors that he is playing Cletus Cassidy or Carnage. And I am actually okay with this. I am totally fine with this happening. So that one, go for it. Have him be Cletus Cassidy. You know, nothing like watching one of your favorite actors play a molesting murderer. Well, I mean, look, Woody Harrelson has played a bad guy well a few times, especially recently in War for Planet of the Apes. Um, He's nuts in that movie. Yeah. Um, The Leia thing is weird. Like, I love Meryl Streep. She's, if not the one of the greatest actors of all time, right? But... Do you need to recast Leia? Or like, do you just have to deal with the fact that the actor died? They messed up. They they killed off their two characters <laughs> where the actors are still living. And they did not for the character where the actor passed away. So they, they backed themselves into a corner. 
the same thing that Nolan did when he killed off Two-Face. I don't think that Luke is dead. All right, that's fine. So, We're not going to get into that. Yeah, that's I'll a just, Where did podcast. his hand go? Where did his robotic hand go when he faded away? I'm just saying, you don't take your robot parts into the force. Just don't respond. You don't know that. I'm, I'm just I'm don't respond. Stop okay. responding. So Universal wants to build Hate a Lord guys. of the Rings okay. park? Okay, I just want to touch on this stuff real quick. The Leia thing I don't yeah. care about. You guys have said what I pretty much feel. I don't need to repeat that. The Carnage thing. Uh, I'm of the firm belief that Carnage is not an interesting character. And no. not someone that would translate well to any screen. Because he's literally... There's nothing sympathetic as a villain about him. He's literally just a crazy. Uh, like when I say crazy, he just decides that this guy needs to die and gets his head chopped off. And you know, it, 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 there's no rhyme or reason to anything. Um, and I just don't think that makes for an interesting villain. So they'd have to really, really modify the character for that to work for the screen. I think, and I, I think that would upset too. a lot of fans. But uh, Woody Harrelson's a great actor, so you know, bring it on if that's what they're out there going. I'm still really, I have a lot of weird feelings about that movie but yeah. um, like it, it's not a movie I ever really was would have asked for I guess is the thing and so it just seems weird that we've got a new Spider-Man a new tone for Spider-Man and they're like no nah, we're just gonna do a Venom movie totally Sony is grasping at straws <laughs> they're doing whatever they can to keep money in their pockets and I mean they cast people that have been nominated for Oscars yeah those people are in this movie. So they're either paying them a lot, Do or we, the script is really good. I don't know what. <laughs> they didn't show any of the script in the trailer, right. so we don't... Right. It was just Tom Hardy screaming, which maybe that is the script. <laughs> just, just two hours of Tom Hardy. Screams in an American I mean, accent. When, when <laughs> Spider-Man 2 came out, all the fans, everybody was like, we want Venom, we want Venom, we want Venom, and that's why the, the studio decided, Sam, you gotta put Venom in here, and that's when the Sam went, Nope! <laughs> And uh, did we got the emo dancing symbiote Spider Man? So, So did you watch that video I posted? Video game donkey did a thing talking about how it was a masterpiece of cinema. (laughs) It was the funniest thing I've ever like satirically. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. but it was so good. Because if he's serious, I can't watch it. No, 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 it wasn't. It was an April Fool's Day thing, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. You were getting ready to say another piece of news. I'm sorry. Uh, Universal Studios wants to build a Lord of the Rings park. I imagine this would be to financially compete with the Star Wars park that Disney is going to open. Mm -hmm. And it would tie things up so that each company has four parks apiece. Um, I I think it could be a lot of fun depending on what they do. Like, I'll write an int. Like, that'd That'd be be That'd be cool. Like, I'll, I'll is, battle at Helm's Deep. Like. Is there a place where I can just eat a lot? Because <laughs> I feel like I'm closer to a hobbit than most of the other characters. That's true. <laughs> I feel like you are as well. I think that they should probably just build it in New Zealand in Hobbiton because that's an actual thing that you can go visit. Yeah, they just left it in New Zealand. Like, yeah. that's cool. Well, yeah, it's, but yeah, they use it. That's like one of their biggest tourist a, attractions. From here it's in them Kansas in City. It's of the Concords. Like, they're yeah, just too. always on display. From Kansas City, it's like 20-something, 20 22 hours to get to New Zealand. Okay. So the market for people to go is a little bit smaller. But it makes it more authentic, so the people that do go are willing to pay the extra money. Yeah, I don't think people that go to Disneyland are looking for authentic. They're just looking for amusement. Maybe they're not going to go. Maybe they shouldn't go for the same market. You mean market. I really can't ride inside of a flying elephant? Uh, not a living flying elephant. You mean elephant. she really can't make out with Gaston? 
I mean, actually, you can, Rachel. Right, I can make out with Gaston. Yeah, it is realistic. That's um, <laughs> a real human. But it's, it's not in France. That's <laughs> true. So you, you know, just pretend that part. It's okay. right before the revolution. <laughs> just saying. Um, I, I think it's a really cool idea. I think doing it in. The United States. Is there going to be a barrel sense. ride where you get to ride around down like a street oh, and a bunch that, of barrels? That would actually be fun. No, <laughs> a barrel flume. I'd be having like PTSD flashbacks from watching the Hobbit movies. Do I get to like try and run a falling? Oh rocks? gosh! All right, now it could be cool if, if they did the the like you could do an archery competition with like you know an animatronic. I feel like Orlando it's just going to be a, like a knockoff Ren Fair. <laughs> like, yeah, basically a high budget one. Uh, fingers crossed. Well, it's still it's Universal Studios. I mean, yeah, it'll be high budget. There's just going to be a lot of walking, is my guess, is what's going to happen at this park. Just like their other parks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> especially at this one, though. I guess those are more just a lot of standing. Yeah. Really. Maybe this one just, they'll just keep you going. And you don't. You could just pay and ride the Golden Eagle, but you know, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people that have problems with that theory. That's the VIP pass. The fast, the fast <laughs> pass gets you an Eagle badge. Yeah. Yes, these are the ideas, Universal. We will help you. That's right. Pay us a lot of money. I would be such an ass and show up in like this black robe and chase people. I'd dress up like Smeagol. <laughs> it's awful. Filthy habitus. Well, then I get to be know, Gandalf. That's really bad. Gandalf no, you're not Gandalf. You're Saruman. What? Yeah. How? I don't know, but you're not Gandalf. I'm closer to Gandalf no, than not. Saruman. How, why not? You're closer to Gimli than Gandalf. That may be, but not Saruman. We should be the wizards <laughs> for Halloween. One can be Gandalf. No, because we're obviously going to fight about who's Gandalf. I'm Gandalf. Um, no. I want to be Radagast, so okay. screw you So guys. you can be Saruman. No. Because I want a big old bunny. <laughs> Come on, just think of the, the, the wig that you can wear. I don't want to wear a wig. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to grow my hair out. All right, that's fine. You do you. We are way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there any more news that we want to cover before we dive into? The uh, lastly, the director for Doctor Strange has said that you know, even though it's not officially confirmed, they are so far into writing a second script that uh, they know who the villain is. They know what they're going to do with Baron Mordo. They they know what they're going to do with Doctor Strange. You know, they have an idea on how to bring back um, Rachel McAdams. Oh, damn, I was hoping you were going to say Dormammu. Sorry. The, he was wasted. They didn't talk about Dormammu. They talked about Nightmare. That's cool, too. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. It, it kind of puts them at, like, a Mexican standoff, because Doctor Strange is obviously fighting both Nightmare and Mordo, but Mordo is also fighting Nightmare and Doctor Strange, so it, it could be really fun. Mm. Like... A Clint Eastwood movie with, yeah. like, magic. That's cool. I'm yeah. good with that. Yeah. It could be a lot of fun. Well, I I would be very excited to see another Doctor Strange movie. We just rewatched it uh, to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, prep for Infinity War. It was the first time I had seen it since theaters, and I really liked that movie. So, the special effects are super cool. They did a, a really good job with yeah. all that. Tilda Swinton was incredibly miscast. Yeah, but I thought, given that she did the role, she, I mean, she, she was fine. Well, of course but, she's you know. fine. Tilda Swinton's like never not fine. Right. That's, that's all I meant. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Let's talk Ready Player One. All right. So the uh, the numbers. We'll start with the numbers. Um, it it did fine. It it was number one at the box office. Brought in uh, a little over fifty three million domestically and one hundred twenty eight million internationally. So over one eighty, over one eighty one um, through the weekend, which uh, is a good opening weekend. Um, over its budget. 
Definitely a budget of $175 million, which is a lot of money. Yes. You know, we, we talk about budget a lot here, so, you know, comparison's sake, uh, Aquaman and um, Suicide Squad were 165 Silver War and BVS were 250 So there's just, you know, some, some comparison's sake um, for budgets. Um, so, you know, it did fine. Black Panther slipped to number three. It's still making money. It made another $17 million. Yes. Um, this week in its seventh week in the box office, which is amazing. It's getting close to $1.3 billion now. If this movie had failed, if Black Panther had been, say, middle of the road or towards the bottom end of their money-making films, this would already be out on Blu-ray and DVD. We would see it, you know a lot closer to Infinity War, but that's not going to happen. It's still being shown in over 3,000 screens, right. which is more than some movies ever get, let alone in its seventh week. Um, bad news for Pacific Rim Uprising. It dropped It dropped to fifth, which doesn't sound bad, but it made just over $9 million in its second week, uh, which was almost a 70% drop. It was like 67% and change. That awful. Um, so it's not doing well here. It's doing fine internationally, kind of like Warcraft did. Um, but people are not really going to see it. So uh, those are the numbers. There wasn't really a lot of other competition for Ready Player One with nobody. So what was number two then? Um, Sorry, I can look that up here in just a moment. Number two was uh, Tyler Perry's Acrimony, uh, which brought in uh, $17 Oh, I'm sorry, Black Panther was 11.4, not 17.4. I I misread it. Uh, But it was still number three there. So, But that's the thing, like four, four... Five movies open this weekend. Uh, the two I just mentioned, uh, God's Not Dead, A Light in the Dark, Boggy 2, I'm sorry if I'm yeah, pronouncing that wrong, even... and Finding Your Feet. The last two did not even make a million dollars combined. So, you know, not a whole lot of competition when the number three is in its seventh week in the box office. So, um, Tomb Raider's still in the top ten. It's at number seven. Ringle and Time's at number eight. So, you know, not March was a packed month, it felt like, going into it, but... We've never had one full month where we did a review every single week. Yeah. This was our first one. And I gotta tell you, I didn't love it. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure having to see a movie every weekend. Not gonna do that again. So, um, yeah. I, I want to enjoy it and not feel too pressured. So, like, Tomb Raider I saw on a Monday night very late after I That's got back from the trip. And we did that last night. We went yeah. to Ready Player One. So, you know, we'll, we'll ease things up. In, in April here, we're only doing Infinity War. Yes. So, and I think in May we're doing Deadpool and Solo, I think are it, in May. Yes. So, um, you know, we're only doing three in those two months instead of four in a row, like we did in March. Um, so that'll be better. But, uh, all right, so let's let's dive in a bit on Ready Player One. Um, Ray and I listened to the audiobook, which is narrated by Will Wheaton. About five months ago. Mm-hmm, back in, I think it was October. Um, Ryan, did you read the book? Okay. So we have two, two different kind of backgrounds on that, which is good because I, I, I think the movie was probably received differently by those two different groups of people, those who read it and those who didn't. And to be fair, Rachel has a very different opinion of the book than you do. That's a very good point. So That's maybe her, her opinion will be different than yours. So, so yeah. you, I'm sure you know what her opinion is, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, though. Yeah, so I actually really love the book. I thought it was a lot of fun. No, it's nothing deep or anything like that. It's a YA novel, but I enjoyed it. Uh, and I know, you know, Ray, your, your opinion's a little different. I believe that 
all it succeeds in doing is throwing a bunch of nostalgia at people, throwing flashy, shiny things at you. So you overlook the fact that the characters are undeveloped, that the world is not fully comprehended, and that the author had a half-baked idea based on stuff that he loved as a kid. So that's that's just my opinion. Well, yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> so... Um, where would you guys like to start as far as the movie is concerned? Don't we do our spoiler free? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're absolutely right. Spoiler free take, Ryan. Um, I enjoyed it. Of the four movies that we have reviewed this last month, um, it was my favorite. Really? Which isn't saying much because all the other movies didn't, I didn't give very high scores. But, um, this one... I don't want to get too deep into it in the spoiler free, but but I enjoyed it, and I think that if you're of a certain generation and a certain background, then you will enjoy it more than somebody who doesn't share those those things with you. Of course, I'm sure that can be said about any movie, but I think this movie specifically caters to a very specific group of people, and I think if you're that in that group, you will enjoy it. Right. I hated it. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it again if you paid me. I'm not going to watch it if it shows up on TBS ever again. I I would rather just drive to Spielberg's house and slap him in the face and ask for my money back. Wow. Uh, if someone <laughs> wants to pay me to rewatch the movie, that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, I'm having a hard time thinking of a movie that I wouldn't take money to see. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything that bad. <laughs> but... Um, I, I was disappointed in it. I don't hate it by any means. Uh, if it shows up on TV or Netflix and I don't really have anything else going on as a background thing, I think it's fine. I didn't find it offensive in any way. Um, but I was disappointed in it. I I tried to temper my expectations the best I could based on what I knew from the book and knowing that this was not a direct adaptation, but Steven Spielberg's interpretation of the book uh, is his words, I suppose. Um, and I try my best to go into it with that mindset, but it wasn't enough for me, so I was disappointed in it. Fair enough. But uh, of of to Ryan's point about the movies that we watched in March, though, um, it wasn't my favorite, but it definitely it wasn't my least favorite either. So um, I hadn't really thought about ranking the March movies, but it definitely wouldn't be last as far as rewatchability is concerned. So okay. Alright, so this is your spoiler warning. Uh, it is different enough from the book that even if you've read the book, there are probably going to be some spoilers in here because there are some substantial differences. So if you don't know, if you haven't seen the movie, you care, all that good stuff, this is your chance to stop and pause and watch it and come back later. So let's do it. Let's dive in. Okay, so I want to get one small piece out of the way because it's something I feel like we forget to talk about a lot that is still important uh, to me anyway. That's the music. I was really disappointed in the total lack of any real memorable music in this movie based on the book focusing on 80s music very heavily and it being a big part of Holiday's life um, and a big part of the, the Gunters' lives and things of that nature, the, the trivia behind it. So to have really nothing was disappointing. Yeah, I think the trailers had more memorable music than the, yeah. than the movie did. But, I mean, I wasn't super disappointed. I'd, obviously, I'd never read the book, so I don't know how important it was in the book. But, you know, you could tell there was, you know, Back to the Future themes and things like that that were obviously uh, Back to the Future is mm -hmm. a fandom Yeah, uh, in this movie. So, I mean, 
it was fine. It wasn't, I wouldn't say it stood out that it was great, but it also didn't stand out as being terrible for me. So, um, yeah, I was pretty okay with it. Ray, any thoughts? I mean, Hollow Notes playing over the credits was the most memorable piece of music <laughs> in the whole thing. And, I mean, Hall and, Oates, Hall and Oates are great, but they're definitely not the definitive band of the 80s. So that, Not quite. I mean, I if you wanted to play off the Back to the Future, you could have had Huey Lewis. You I know how. I would have been okay with that. Right, yeah. I know how More much than okay Ryan with that. loves yeah. Huey Lewis. Um, so, I mean, it. you're right. It was just a little forgettable. And music's important to film so especially recently starting you know of course like guardians of the galaxy and baby driver now like movies have started to take music more seriously in mainstream films than they have i guess it's more directors have because you you go back and you look at zach schneider's soundtracks and they're all very intriguing and purposeful and every single song is meant to stand out or accompany the scene so same with tarantino soundtracks they're they're very hand selected and I guess, thought out. So. That's fair. Uh, more, yeah, more directors are doing that, and it's no surprise to me that Edgar Wright's one of them, but Spielberg's not. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so we'll move on from music then. Uh, so, you guys want to start anywhere in particular? I just wanted to get that piece out of the way. It was kind of general. Um, so. so, this is this is the, uh, the newest Spielberg movie, supposedly going to his roots and doing his thing again. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to bring up the point that I feel like he had a contract that said he only has to direct 17 minutes of live footage and that everything else is just going to get done by the computer. So he doesn't need to worry about it. <laughs> I too felt like he had an agenda, but I feel like that's the same for his entire career. Like to me, his better movies are the ones where he doesn't have to rely on a lot of other things like CGI is one of them, but I mean, Jurassic Park, but you know, there's, there's, there's only eight minutes of CG or whatever. It is. Yeah. But that's a movie that everybody uses as a like a milestone for CG. It's true. So. I guess well, Spielberg's, but I guess Spielberg's entire resume to me just feels like he's knocking things off the bucket list. Like it doesn't feel like he makes movies because he loves them anymore. It feels but, like because even now he's talking about doing Indiana Jones five, which feels like a paycheck to me. And then he wants to redo West Side Story. But is like, this a bucket list thing to check off? The book's not even that old. You know, this isn't like one of the great the great American I, novels or something like no, that. No, I don't know? think Ready Player One is a bucket <clears throat> list. I think doing, you know, a film in ninety percent mocap mm. could be one of gotcha. his I guess he lists. hasn't really done that. It didn't feel like a Spielberg movie. If that makes any sense. The last 15 minutes definitely did. Maybe the last 15 minutes did, but I think by then I, it already kind of lost me. Um, but the movie as a whole, it just, it could have been any director, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, 70 or 80% of the movie is in the Oasis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he had any part in that. <laughs> I mean that's interesting. I, mean, I don't know. He's he is the only one credited as the director, so somebody had to run. I'm sure he like made decisions, but I'm sure he was presented with things, and they were saying this is how we're planning on doing it. Do you have any other ideas? And yeah, you know, so it was something along those lines. I can't imagine he's not been one to do this much digital work before. So true. It seems likely that he was mostly just signing the paperwork and having them do their thing. 
Well, so then let's talk about the CGI work, since that's kind of the, the main focus of the film is in the Oasis. You're in a pretend virtual reality, and things don't have to look 100% sharp. Things don't have to look real. Some things can appear and more Candy realistic. Valley is okay. Yeah, exactly. Some things can look, um, I guess, more polished than others, more realistic than others, and... I will say that's the thing. H looked much better to me than Parzival and Artemis. The two of them looked like they were, you know, sculpted perfectly for dolls. And so, yeah, I found the, the the CGI effects to be the best part of the movie for me. I thought that was the area that whoever did that work that the, was the best work. The opening race with King Kong looked awesome. Everything going on outside of the race, like what was happening during the race, looked really good. And yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, that's what I, I think the special effects were really solid. Like, if that's where the bulk of this money went, because I mean, it doesn't really have an A list cast. Uh, so, if that's where the money went, I think that was money well spent. I think everything looked really good. Um, I don't recall anything that I looked at in the movie and thought that looks bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it mostly looked really cool. Um, I would say that during a lot of the action sequences, it kind of suffered from the Transformers syndrome where it was hard to keep track of everything that was going on on the screen. Not yes. to mention the fact that they do cram a lot of references and Easter eggs. Obviously, that's the whole movie is basically a giant Easter egg. Right. Um, so you want to try and pick out those little things, but there's not really the time to do that when you're sitting in the theater trying to take in this battle scene or a giant race or something like that. So, um, yes, it was all really beautiful and well done, but the... Some things were hard to follow. The big battle at the end was hard for me to follow a lot of it. And, so uh, much going the on. The race is another one. This is one of those where the Easter eggs do not add to the story itself. They don't move the plot along. They are there for eye candy. So it's not like something in a Marvel film or um, other connected universes where the small references may point to what's down the line. It, this is just... A completely encapsulated moment, and everything is there to trigger your eyes. So, I had yeah, seen... seeing the battle toads doesn't mean anything. Right. It was interesting that they put battle toads in a movie. <laughs> so, to your point that you brought up with about reading the book, where you said it was that it, you thought it was basically just throwing nostalgia at the face. And I thought was this was even worse. Was. I would, I completely disagree with that. I think that they were using it as something cool, but it wasn't about all the pop culture references. I mean, I guess technically the plot was about pop culture <laughs> references, but it wasn't about Battletoads being in a fight scene. No. You know what I mean? It was about no, specific pop culture references. I was worried that the movie was going to come in and be like, hey guys, here's Tracer! And then like pause on Tracer for three seconds or right. you know something like that. And it really wasn't like that. Yeah. You, you would see a, a panning shot and you might see He-Man over here or like a Battletoad over here or Claptrap from Borderlands and yeah. you know but it wasn't a focus it right. was it was just a thing and and if you follow gaming or VR or anything like that there is a program called VR chat where you get to pick uh, an avatar and it's you know every 3D model from every game that's ever existed and you have everything from Knuckles from the Sonic series to like anime babes right. and things like that so I mean, based on what we actually have in the real world right now, it's really not that far off. I mean, it's very similar, so no, it didn't bother me that totally much. No, people would totally do it. The, the thing that bothered me is the only one that got original characters were the cast. Everything else was uh, copyrighted or trademarked character or licensed character, so 
you know, that that seemed unrealistic to me. I imagine some other people besides the main cast would want their own different avatars, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I think the thing for me was that I felt in the book that the pop culture references were significant. So when you saw, like, so in the movie, it's the Iron Giant. In the book, it's not the Iron Giant. Okay, um, it's Ultraman, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it was a di- there's another robot. I'm drawing a blank on which robot, uh, but it was Parsifal that got the robot in the book. It was a di- it wasn't Iron Giant. It was something else. I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, but those references were specific references that were talked about that had a purpose that had a point. They were explained. They they earned these things, right? These were items they unlocked by completing quests and and, and things of that nature. Whereas like H just decides I'm gonna build an iron giant. And don't get me wrong, you said it was a commission for it was somebody, a, right? It was a commission for somebody, right? And you know it, everything in the book seemed more purposeful, right? So like the coin, for example, is is a good example. In the movie, he gets this coin by basically making a bet with who turns out to be uh, Ogden Morrow. Um, and yes, the robot butler. Um, and, uh, you know, he just kind of offhandedly wins this bet and gets this coin that is a huge turning point in the film uh, that the book really focuses on quite a bit. But it's like, everybody's dead and loses and IOI then is going to win because they're going to send more people in. Oh, but he's got this extra life. That's what wins the day. Right, and so how he gets that in the book is really difficult. He doesn't really know what it is. He can't like it's in his inventory. He's not allowed to get rid of it, and it's like this piece that follows him along through two thirds of the book almost. Um, and at the end, at the last moment, where you think like everything's over, you think they've lost, and this thing comes back into play. Um, and so all of those pop culture references that are in there, whether or not you enjoyed them, they weren't part of the holiday the holiday story. And about the Oasis story and why the challenges were significant. Absolutely true. Uh, that that's my issue is that the the challenges didn't. Nothing in this movie seemed like there were high enough stakes. The book creates a dystopian world where everything sucks, so you escape into the virtual reality. Which is sorry, the same in the movie. Yeah, but. The book makes it more dangerous and makes IOI very dangerous. And here, to me, it doesn't feel like that at all. I think I think there, that's fair. That's a fair criticism. But I would also say that there's a big difference between a book and what a book can, no, uh, t- totally can right. write out yeah. in description and what can happen in a movie. And without having a bunch of you're useless... Right. I mean, it already was full of giving giving you constant information yeah. that you needed for the plot to I advance. Mean, you couldn't just see it. You also needed to have the narration, too. Right. Like, is it, so so I give it a little bit of a pass on that. Also, I never read the book. Right. So I'm right. going yeah. off of, my, you know, my, I what I perceived. My issue with that is the cops come and arrest Sorrento at the very end. What was stopping the cops from holding him back anyway? If Iowa is doing all this dirty stuff in the Oasis, you know, it, ten cops are going to take them all down at the very end? And, like, that to me just came off as a last-minute... It was the way to stitch everything up at the end, right? Because that, that, it, it did beg the question, like, where have the cops been for two hours kind of thing when, you know, there's been explosions and people abducted and drones all over the city and all these types of things. Like, it was very kind of nebulous as to what types of powers IOI had. And then what is what is he actually, what is Sorrento arrested for at the end? Is it because he's just, like, 
threatening people with a gun in public or was he arrested for something else? Because threatening the gun in public thing is really like the least bad thing he's done in the movie. (laughs) Well, I don't think it was necessary for him to like read off his list of charges at the end of the movie or anything. It was obvious why he got arrested because he was a bad guy doing bad things. And I don't think they needed more explanation than that personally. But uh, I could, t- I could, if that bothered you, then 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 fair enough. I mean, that's. I guess it was just more of you. Know, why did it take so long? Kind of thing, you know. Like that, that's you yeah, know. absolutely. I, I agree with that for sure. Because um, you, I mean, it's a weird dystopian future. So who knows what the police force size is in comparison to this now very quickly growing population, right? But um, you know, you have the explosion in the stacks, and you know, no police end up really being around looking for anybody. Um, you know, you would think at some point there would just be more of a police force in that area because it's all very close together, you know. Um, Do they cover that in the book? So they the talk bo- about the police force in the book? So in the book, it's incredibly different, so I'm not drawing that comparison. Okay. Because, like, they're not, he's not in Cleveland in the book. Columbus. Okay. Columbus, excuse me. Uh, he's not like they're in different locations and he has to go to where IOI is in the book. So they, they totally changed that. And that's fine. They wanted to consolidate it and having it geographically closer makes things easier, which is fine. Like that, that doesn't bother me, but um, the book is just handled drastically different. And if I remember right, cops never show up in the book ever. So I, I, and when I, when we read the book, I was just under the assumption that like IOI was essentially acting as the law enforcement when it dealt with these types of things because there was no other sign of law enforcement which the movie had me feeling too but once you show regular cops then i actually ask well then where have they been is is kind of the thing um because it just seems like otherwise ioi has unlimited power so what changed what was the tipping point yeah you know um but i i think my, my biggest problem with the with the movie is that every everything like everything's very glossed over so there, there doesn't seem to be any nothing seems substantial like why why is holiday important why are these people gunters what, is, what does that mean to anybody who doesn't know what that word means like i know what the word means because i read the book but let's pretend i didn't right why is it important to be a gunter is they that, say they explain that in the beginning in the exposition i mean kind of there's a whole like eight minute monologue about oh, that's all exposition about a, this stuff. there is some ex- exposition that's that's true i just didn't feel like it really went in to the detail needed for somebody who didn't know the universe like why why i didn't have a problem understanding it and i didn't know the universe so let me ask you that what was the significance of the race as a challenge what was the significance of the race i don't think there was significance to it in the movie of the of the race specifically i mean obviously See that's that's the problem though because the whole the, the next two challenges are about how well do you know Holiday? How well do you understand him and know his history, right? Because that's how they pick the shining because they know that it's his favorite scary movie yada 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 yada, right? So the race is totally disconnected from Holiday. Why? Well, I mean, they they had already all they say is that they found or that the race had already been discovered, yeah. and that was the first puzzle piece. And maybe Halliday in this Easter egg, it's not unheard of for video game designers to have the first part of a multi step challenge be fairly easy to find. I know in Borderlands and things like that, um, and I, you haven't played those, but I'm sure you play games that are similar one. enough. Um, you you can literally get a quest for the first part of an Easter egg, and from there you have to discover things yourself. But um, so that wasn't a problem for me. But the race, you're right. It was not significant in any way really to Holiday while the other quests were. Um, but I would say that, um, you know, I would rather watch this race than watch uh, him play Joust against somebody 
Which it was in the book for the first challenge. Yeah. Well, but see, that wasn't the only part of the challenge. He has to go through a dungeon that's right. got, like, Indiana Jones-style traps. Which would have been like cool, that. but then it would so, have been very anticlimactic watching two people sit there play Joust for the Atari. I mean, I think there's ways you could have spiced it up. And they right? did. You know, well... I don't think taking a dungeon that you had to not only locate... Look, I would have loved but... to have seen a dungeon. I thought when I heard that that's what the first challenge was in the book, that it was like a Dungeons and Dragons style, you know, that would have been really cool. But I wasn't disappointed in the race either, because the race, as Rachel said, was actually pretty cool. And despite it being different than the book, it was visually interesting. I mean, it was entertaining, you know, and I wasn't trying to compare the race to the first challenge in the book. I was trying to compare it to the other two challenges in the movie. Because the other two challenges in the movie are a lot more intimately connected with Halliday. Sure. And if the first part of the challenge to find the race was, I mean, I guess we could speculate on that, but we will, I don't know. We'll, we won't know, right? Because it's not in the movie. Um, so I guess that that's really where I'm coming from, is that it just seems just disconnected from the rest. It seems like it has nothing to do with the rest of the challenges. Um, whereas, you know, the whole idea of the Gunters is to know Halliday. Like, that's what they have a PhD in, right? Um, but I feel like the I.O. like IOI was hiring all of those, what do they call the, the, Hall, the Hall, Halliday? Sectors. No, no, the, the experts. That oh, um, I don't know. There's a name for it. I can't remember the name for them. But, um, the experts in Halliday that IOI has, like, all those scientist people in the movie who were cheering at the end for Parcival. You know, yeah, I, about, I know exactly. Okay, just react. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, you know, they're experts in Halliday. So how how would their expertise have helped anybody in the I race? I mean, to be fair, in the race, discovering how to beat King Kong was connected to Halliday. So maybe, maybe the initial discovery wasn't, but they had been trying for five years to finish this race and had not done it. Which yeah. seems crazy to me as a video game fan. <laughs> the first thing you do in a racing game is try and go backwards and see if it... Uh, see if, you know, you can well, you cheese it, it, but... You do it in the platformer, too, right? Yeah. Like in Donkey Kong. Sure. You go, go the other way. There's something there. But I mean, I uh, was able to ignore that, and it was at least connected to Halliday and connected to the plot, so whatever. It's fine, but... It seems more accidentally connected. Like, he doesn't... Like, there's nothing about the race going backwards. I forget the exact sentence, but it just had something to do with going back. And... Going back at full throttle. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. you wish yeah. you could just go backwards? Yeah, yeah, and he specifically like, says, like, at full throttle, and that's how it, you know, relates to the race. But that came off more as, like... But any of it could have been accidental. Finding the other clues could have been accidental. You know what I mean? Well, the... finding a clue accidentally isn't the problem. I meant more of, like, the clue seemed more like a tooltip hint than a puzzle to figure out. Right, because it didn't have anything to do with oh, what was his favorite X Y Z or what did he have? What was his theory on this? It was if you accidentally watch this clip longer than you're intended to watch it, then he says something out of character that happens to have to do with the first challenge. Well, was beating somebody in joust a puzzle? I mean, that's just a challenge. Also, I don't understand. You know, what I mean, I mean it, it had more to do with the 80s because the book is very focused on one decade sure where the movie's not so i'm not trying to compare it to the original challenges because if you want to go that direction all three challenges in the book i think are better than the three challenges in the movie but, but wouldn't have been as interesting that. to watch in a movie i'm not i'm not so sure i mean in in the book he ends up going to the blade runner planet and has a massive shootout in the giant and he also reenacts the entire movie uh, uh as matthew broderick you're right but which you would have, not be interesting i'm not saying it has to be like the book which is why i was specifically not comparing it to the book i was well you can't talk about a movie so, that's based on a book and not compare it to the book i mean there well, were but, changes well in that case i can't win either way <laughs> so because no you, i'm not saying you're it wrong be a direct adaptation Right, that's doing doing the um, the war games thing would have been boring, right? Yeah. That would not have worked. 
and I'm okay with not doing that. My point is that the challenges are 98% different from the book and they didn't need to be. You could have still had a dungeon with Indiana Jones style traps and things like that and had something interesting at the end of that instead of Joust if that was something that was going to be too boring to do. Right, but the truth is that the end challenge where he's playing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred is pretty much that is more boring than the third challenge in the book that is still a video game thing, right? So I don't think they changed the challenges because they're boring. I think they changed the challenges because Spielberg just wanted to have which is possible challenges. too. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm sure the challenges in the book were really cool to read and and very exciting. But yeah, I, I don't think the War Games thing would work. I thought no. I honestly. I mean, we're actually running out of time at this point, so oh, I, I want to touch on the fact that I thought the Shining thing was really cool, and and I know you hated the movie, so you probably <laughs> didn't like that, but I thought the the recreation was really thorough and good, um, and I thought it was something that was totally unexpected and Visually, turned out really cool. that was very impressive because it did look like these virtual reality characters had stepped onto the set of yeah. the Overlook Hotel. So, it, like, he changed... It's not something that's really been done before no. that I have... No, in no that was, was very, very cool. very cool. And that's why I'm saying the visuals in the movie, I actually think are outstanding. They he did also a great could job. have easily used one of his own films. It could have been Jaws, but he chose another movie that wasn't even his, and he recreated it. So that was impressive. And I did like, because The Shining is my favorite horror movie ever. So you I'm, and Halliday. Uh, I'm a little biased that because I love that movie. Um, and I really enjoyed that they didn't, it wasn't done in sequential order like the movie. So I didn't, I wasn't anticipating the axes coming through the door at that right. moment because that's not when it happens. And it's fun to be caught off guard when you're like, when, when you believe you're anticipating what's happening next. It's like, oh, it's The Shining. Well, I know it's going to happen. And they totally throw you for a loop. That was fun. And seeing the one scared character, you know, yeah. get, it, running into the twins and the blood thing, you know, that was, I thought that was all really cool. And It's a great scene. That's a really cool scene. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like the second and third challenges were better than the first challenge. Yeah, I like the shining aspect. I thought that that was really interesting. And that was a more interesting thing than doing the war games, mm -hmm. right? Because while the war games thing was cool to read... That would just be boring as hell to watch. It would be the end of Doctor Strange, where it yeah. was really cool in a comic book and so very in character, but you know, seeing somebody repeat the same thing over a hundred times or whatever is not interesting. So yeah, because it takes a while. He has to go through literally every line of the movie as that character in real time. Yeah, you know, and so it's it's a lengthy part of of that section, and so I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, it was more of just the way these challenges came to be, how Parsival becomes the one to do it. It just wasn't like I don't know. It just seemed more accidental than it, it needed to be. He's supposed to be the big hero, and he kind of gets there at the end. But he almost just he he basically has help for everything. Right? Yeah, no, he was and, absolutely not the hero. Like, and he that's was the not problem. The hero He's supposed to be even at the, so at because the end because he worked for it his entire yeah, life, right. and he didn't really hear. He just kind of lucked into it. Like at the end where he's playing the, the Atari game uh, adventure, um, the the IOI people, that woman that they keep showing, she, she figured figure it, out, it out. Yeah. Right? So if he doesn't figure it out in the next 30 seconds, that's it. IOI wins. They figured it out before him. Right? He just happened to get there because of the bomb and the extra coin. Whereas, you know, his character was so much more significant in figuring things out well before anybody else 
in the book because he was that much of an expert that he knew it and dedicated so much of his life to Halliday that he was the best gunter out there. And that was important. And in the movie, I mean, Artemis helps him figure out uh, the second part because she's the first one to figure out the zombie dance thing in The Shining, right? And um, she helps him get to the third challenge too. He's not getting there without the help of all that. And don't even get me started on um, the two, the two quote brothers. Um, uh, Daito and Show. Yeah, I mean, they changed Show's name for some reason. I, I, I would like to know if anybody knows why it's not Daito and Shoto. I would like to know why. I'm just curious. Uh, but they are all really significant in the book. These are, the, like, they they say at one time, the high five. That's in the book a ton. These are the best in the world. And they're not friends when things start. They don't get along when things start, except for H and Z. And even they are a little icy on helping each other when it actually comes to, to doing gunting. You know, and so I just felt like the soul of what it was supposed to be was just stripped away to be an action flick. That's I mean, all. that's fair. That's I all, that's I yeah. I agree about uh, Percival being uh, way uh, not a waste, but uh, a character that was made to be believed that he was going to be the hero of the movie, and then kind of disappointing. But um, I didn't have a problem with any of those other things because I didn't read the book, so I didn't know that the high five was missing and that this was supposed to be some big moment um, or anything like that. I, all I went there for was an action movie with some references and some cool visuals, and, and really that's what I came out with. It's not, you know, uh, some really amazing film that we're going to write classes about in colleges. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it was... It was enjoyable for me. It was worth the money that that uh, we paid to get into the theater. And like I said, I enjoyed it more than the other movies that we've watched over the past few weeks. I, I actually am a little surprised that you completely hated it. I thought you would find some enjoyment in it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a fair... Every, all the criticisms are valid and, uh, you know... We, this is the one time where it's like the opposite <laughs> of what it normally is. So. I mean, it's definitely an entertaining flick. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. It's entertaining. And it's not... I didn't find any of it offensive or anything like that. It just... Um, I did see an a, a, a article today talking about how white the movie was. It's like, were you were you even watching the movie? Like, there's two Asian characters right, right there. There's a black character. There's, well, I mean... I guess it's just culturally. Like, that kind of stuff was what... They, I think it, they said that every other avatar in the in the movie was white. Oh, okay. Which, well, if it's just like what's on screen, then that's a reflection of society. Most but, of the fictional characters are white, and we are working on that. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm there are sure. steps in the next direction. Ninja Turtles are white. That's the thing. You had the Ninja Turtles, you had the Battletoads, okay, you had a I, bunch of uh, I don't really think that's Spartans. a valid thing to get into at this point. All right, that's like, fine. We're, we're three white people. We really yeah, don't have sure. a lot to say on it. I, I didn't count. You I, know, I just... I will say most of them were non-humanoids. At least for me, it's very male-driven. That's true. It does not appeal to me at all. It felt like a giant sausage party. All the girls were written by men, and the girl was literally like the prize at the end. Yeah. It wasn't like getting control of the oasis and all the other stuff. This one chick. Also, I want to touch on this, and I talked to my girlfriend about this after the movie, but. Um, She's like, she's telling him, oh, you won't find, you won't like me. I'm not the same. I'm ugly in real life or whatever. And then he meets her and she's got like this really faded birthmark around her eye and is otherwise a very attractive woman. It's like, really? So that's, really? That's from the book, but they meet in very different ways. 
Yeah, this they don't meet fine, it until the very end. Still, it's yeah, like yeah. It's, it's it was just weird that we're supposed to believe that this chick is going to be not attractive, and then he meets her, and she's just got a little bit of yeah. hair covering her eye because of a very faded no, pale birthmark. Now, to your point, Ray, uh, this movie had twice as many women in it because they created a brand new character for the for IOI. <laughs> That was a woman. Because so, oh, Artemis is the only one of any significant... I guess I guess the, the ant, right? I sure. guess. That, that he lives with. And H. Yeah. Oh, yeah, H. H. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, H. Yeah, my mistake. H is played as a male in most of the story, so that's that's my bad. Like, it... The, because of H, because of Artemis, it could have been really cool to touch on the gender roles in this and again it's just looked over like they had the material for a really deep dark story that you know goes through and talks about poverty and class systems and gender and it just it wasn't there it was a shiny sparkly sausage party action film and you know that's just not for me anymore. There's been too many good, deep action films for me to give a pass, especially to one of the greatest directors of our time. Like, it's just, you know, that's just me. It feels superficial. I mean, Artemis was better in the book. Okay. The, just, like, there's one big thing that happened in between the book coming out and this movie being made as far as video games go, and that was Gamergate, and that kind of changed a lot for women online and women in gaming and maybe the movie needed to reflect and respect that a little bit more for me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not here to draw comparisons because I really don't like it and I don't want to have to revisit it. So. Okay. So you heard it here folks. Never speak of Ready Player One. I I do want to ask. I'm I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I do want to ask you guys who, what age range do you think this movie was made for? What Uh, what was the, what was the specific? It's a YA novel. I understand that. I'm saying the movie. My 10 year old niece absolutely loved it. So I would say 10 year old. I was going to say like 8 to 16. So why, what, what, why was so much emphasis on Atari and stuff that was not around at all when these kids were parents? For the same, same reason Pixar has adult jokes. Right. But it's but like, those adult jokes are like a little thing. This the, one of the end of the challenges was literally at playing an Atari game. Well, so I have a theory about that, and that is again, I don't think they really knew they, that's in the book. Like the last challenge in the book is he enters this room, and there's not one Atari twenty six hundred. There's a bunch of classic consoles, and he not only has to figure out the right game, but he has to figure out the right console, and then figure out what to do on the right game on the right console. So it takes a while, um, and I don't think they knew what to replace it with. So they just scaled well, they it down. Use any Nintendo products because That's they true. do not let people in their films or use their. It's very stuff. expensive. Exactly, yeah. like it doesn't get passed out to everybody. So, like that was the problem with Wreck It Ralph is that Wreck It Ralph was supposed to have Mario, not Bowser. Bowser's a hell of a lot cheaper than Mario. But um, yeah, they use Bowser and they use Sonic to do the whole "if you get killed outside your game" thing. And when that yeah. was supposed to be Mario, right. Exactly, but Sega's a lot cheaper. <laughs> so, um, but uh, but so I, I think they didn't really know how to finish it. So they basically watered down the last challenge, and last challenge isn't really any different or more interesting than the book is. I think, the, if anything, that's the only challenge that the book is more interesting. Yeah. You know, from a visual perspective, because there was more going on. Um, I just don't think they knew what to do and how to replace it. 
That yeah. was entirely possible. Because they were stuck with, they kept Halliday as an 80s icon, as like, that's who he is. He's an 80s person, right? Because you show his room and it's all 80s stuff. So they didn't change who Halliday was, but they wanted to update all of the other references. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you have Halo and you have Overwatch and Deadpool and Harlequin, you know, but you still have Halliday who doesn't care about that stuff. He cares about and the Atari 2600 in Boston. <laughs> if he aged it up. 15 20 years where you know the it's all about the playstation and i i like that obviously i'm a sucker for the 80s but yeah i do think it would probably been more relevant like right now for me it seemed like it was a little confused as to who it was who the demographic was superficial movies are great for kids because they are there for the shiny and apparently i'm a child no 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 no. (laughs) i I think that if i hadn't read the book i probably would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't read the book, because I know the potential that the story has from my perspective. But I think you're right. I think it's it, it wanted to keep Halliday this as the same person he was in the book, but they wanted modern references. And those two things are in conflict with each other, because he's not a modern character. The whole point of his character is that he's stuck in the 80s mentally. That he didn't grow up. And right. Then, yeah. And that's what who the Gunters are. The Gunters are 80s experts. Right? They're not the ones who are going to have Tracer avatars because that's not who they are. They're going to have the DeLorean and with the Ghostbusters symbol on it. Yeah. Right? That's who a Gunter is. Also, why was there a random Buckaroo Bonsai reference that. I mean, there's more people that know what Atari is. Buckaroo Bonsai is deep freaking cuts, man. Yeah. Why. Was that in the book? I don't remember. <laughs> it was just so ridiculously yeah, random of all the things they could have picked. You know, well, give him Marty yeah. McFly's outfit, or yeah. you know, there's any a number that of iconic '80s outfits. He's got out the there. DeLorean already. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, there's any number of outfits out there, but they pick Buckaroo Bonsai. I can't remember if that's what he wears in the book or not. So maybe that's what it was. Well, this is just a random nightclub, and in the book, that was supposed Those to be like this big party ball or party. Right? Yeah. yeah, and Ogden Morrow is so Ogden's character is completely. That's another thing is aside. that I think was wasted. That probably made more sense wasted. in the movie. Or in the book than it did in the movie because there was no significance to Ogden being that Zero. guy. Like I, I was like, why is it? I felt like this was supposed to be a big moment, but it really no, wasn't. He was his so. former partner and the stealer of his first girlfriend. Right. Well, like, I mean, that they was, cover that in the movie yeah. for sure, but I just no, no, no. I mean, that's what he is in the movie. Yeah. He's not anything. Uh, yeah. Else. Other than that, there's yeah. no significance. But in so. the book, you find out that Ogden. So no he's one, like a level ninety nine wizard, and it yeah. just hasn't and played. He's been and, slowly helping the high five stave off IOI because and he's the one that sends the birthday party invitations to yes. the main characters. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I've heard all like, that about the movie or about the book. Well, so he ends up like in the book, and I'm sorry if I ruined he this. He rescues them at the very end, yeah. and that's how they get together because they're all in different parts of the world. Even the country. And, well, no, you're right. You're totally right. Daito and Shoto are in Japan. You're right. I will say this, like, spoiler for the books, I'm really glad I didn't have to watch Daito die a really brutal death. Or, like, a random sex scene. That would have been... Well, yeah. but in the, in the book, Daito, the way he it's dies like is pretty, pretty intense. brutal. Oh, yeah. 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 basically throws him out of a high-rise window. Right, like, in the climax of the film. Because they find so like watching when they throw the so, Canadian yeah. out. So the th- yeah. It's so recorded, you see him land. And... The whole you never tell anybody your real name thing, the way that happens in the book is 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 intense like sabotage and hacking and illegal activity he doesn't just slip and say his name in a nightclub okay it's a big deal when ioi finds out who wade is he's very careful about his identity and so basically ioi when they find out who these people are they break into their places and try and murder them 
And so they throw Daito out a window of a high rise in Japan. You know, like right there, they're, they're all in the oasis and he just dies. And that's how, like, it's intense. The stakes are really intense. Uh, but Ogden's character, yeah, he saves all of them and gives them new rigs to use because they don't have any rigs left and, you know, or anything like that. And that's, he's a very significant character in the book. And he was just a duess ex machina in this. Which really, I mean, he's and he's Simon Pegg, and I love Simon Pegg. I was so excited. We when all love Simon Pegg. So the most much. shocking part was him having an American accent. That was weird. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> Do you guys think Ty Sheridan is now typecast into Cyclops roles? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the two movies that I know him from, he's wearing a visor yes. the entire movie, and even oh. in this movie, they gave him like the little round things on the side of the headset. I actually heard he's going to be Jordy, and yeah, I mean action. that's the perfect casting. I mean, it might be whitewashing it a little bit, but I think everything else. No, because everybody else is going to be a multicultural, oh, different okay. ethnicities too. I got, I did not make that connection. That's yeah. hilarious. I, I, I think he's, think about he it. has the perfect nose and lips, apparently, for being <laughs> for Something being a character covered. that wears a headset all the time the funny thing is that the character wade still wears glasses and he didn't in the comic or in the book so did he not i don't, I don't think so that part i don't remember oh well so. i did really love the opening of this movie though when he's like dropping through all the things and you see all the different people doing their yeah. stuff in vr you see the one lady that's like a stripper or whatever or i was dancer. very hopeful you see when ro- i saw that because that was cool the yeah. stacks yeah. were really cool. Yeah, the stacks kind of, are perfect. Yeah. That is exactly how they were. That really set me up for like, man, so. this is going to be awesome. But yeah, I, I still enjoyed it, but yeah, That's not fine. awesome. It was uh, less than what I thought it would be. But The stacks were perfect. The IOI detention centers were basically more or less what I had in mind. They were actually probably even more intense than what I had in my head. I thought of it more of like a cubicle office building with like shackles. This was a little bit more updated. Um, but the stuff in between... I guess my issue is like I enjoyed the trailer more than I did the movie, and the Willy Wonka theme really like sealed the deal for me. And and I really got the vibe that this was a Willy Wonka story in the movie. Like about a third of the way, I know I was like, "This is Willy Wonka," (laughs) which is fine. I love Willy Wonka, and I think doing something like this, I love video games. So you know, kind of bringing that stuff in, I thought that was cool. And that maybe maybe I'm giving it a little bit of a pass on things because you know I have a little bit more of a connection to the source. Not the source material, but what it's based in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And I, I love all those things too. So I really, I, I wanted to enjoy it. And I didn't have a bad time watching it. You know, I just, I thought I had tempered my expectations enough. And I, I guess I didn't. I do want to ask you, Derek, because we do have another show on this network called Gamer Heroes. where We, we discuss video games and things. Yes. Um, do you think this will lead to an incre- increase in virtual reality headsets or uh, interest in virtual reality in general? Well, I mean, I think that the timing is really solid because both HTC and Sony have lowered the prices and inter- and in HTC's case introduced a lower cost model. So I Which think it's a perfect Which company do you think is going to come out with the bodysuit so that dudes There's can get hand jobs? There's already a like, haptic bodysuit like in development. Like yeah. almost all of the technology, somebody on Reddit went through and and figured out all the technology and they actually had like links to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including like the the omnidirectional treadmill thing yeah. and like haptic gloves. Um, and obviously the headsets, HTC has now released a wireless adapter for their headset. So you don't have to have a cable or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Actually, I don't know if it's been released, but... No, but, uh, yeah. If, so, I mean, do you think this is going to lead to an uptick? I think it absolutely will. I think that with the cost of VR going down, games continuing to be released, and this being a pop culture thing, people will absolutely be going out and doing that. Now, maybe there would have been more of a tick if this had been closer to the holidays, and everyone would just be running out and buying PSVR for, you know, for Christmas and whatnot. Yeah. Um, obviously that's going to temper down a bit in the next six months before the holiday season. Um, but, uh, I definitely think that VR is going to become more popular over time anyway. And this was only going to help that. Do you think that there's going to be a race for a company to come out with an Oasis style game? That... I think that it's something that some already kind of have some yeah. of the elements. I mean, that's what an games. MMO was supposed to, like, that's the end goal of an MMO, right? Yeah. You're taking on a character and you're living in this giant expansive world where you can do anything within its boundaries. That's what the Oasis is. The Oasis is the culmination of what an MMO is supposed to be. I only think it's a matter of time before something like that exists. Um, I, I think the Oasis, what it is, what the movie showed it to be, what the book showed it to be is amazing. And I want that. IOI can screw off, but the Oasis, that's pretty cool. So we can only hope that the creators of it are somewhat altruistic like Holiday and Ogden. Like Blizzard and Nintendo. And... Like Blizzard and Nintendo, yeah. We had that conversation. I, if anybody in the near future is going to do it, it, I think it would take a partnership like Nintendo and Blizzard. Or like HTC and Valve. Maybe. I think you need two companies with an insane amount of imagination that do off the wall crazy things that don't follow the market. I think that's how you can do it and be successful. I mean, is it Valve? I mean, you mean Steam? No, I mean Valve, the company. They I do. Think. I mean, they make the, they're making a ton of VR stuff. They're making those sure. knuckle controllers that you control your and fingers. Someone's going to have to make you know the the peripherals for it, but the yeah. actual architecture of the Oasis, I think, has to come down to somebody more imaginative. If you look at what companies like Nintendo and Blizzard pump out, very few other companies come close to that type of unique experience. That's all I mean. Anybody can look at science fiction and and come up with the kinds of peripherals that you need for VR. Yeah. Yeah, I right? mean, a company that came up with Portal and Half-Life, they don't have any creativity or imagination. Look, so. Most of those people are not at Valve anymore. That's, that's <laughs> a fair point. <laughs> like, fair that's, point. That was a different, I won't argue that. That was a different Valve. That's true. You know, that, that's the thing. Like, you're right. If, if it was that Valve, absolutely that would be part of the conversation. But that's just not who they are anymore. You know? And I'm not saying their business model is bad. I mean, look at what Steam has become. Right, obviously they've they're made, making money. Yeah, they've made good business decisions, and that's that's great. It's a different business. So that's fair. We've gone way off topic. But we yeah. have, we have. All right, so let's do our final grades, our letter grades here before we sign off for the evening. D. Okay, well, at least it's not an F. That's no, not. Um, I we have on here that Rotten Tomato gave it a seventy-five percent. Yeah. Metacritic gave it a sixty-four, and IMDb gave it an eight I'd probably be between Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, like I would probably give it like a 76 or a 77 maybe, but uh, you know, that's probably bias from personal, you know, just because I like video game stuff, so, uh, but yeah, I enjoy I it. I don't, I actually hope the entire medium goes under. Yeah, okay. I've never played one in my life. Okay. I'm not, I just have a big connection to it in my background. I wasn't implying that you <laughs> didn't have any kind of connection. You both did that to me earlier, so just getting you back for it, that's all. Um, I, I would give it like a C minus, maybe a 73% on the high side. It was fine. Like I said, I think it is entertaining. I think that kids will really enjoy it because the special effects are great. 
Kids are going to buy the toys. At least Artemis and Percival and H are going to have action figures. And they were cool looking. So, I mean, even from an aesthetic point of view, I'd probably buy them. because Is there they a Ready Player cool. 2, you guys think? Is that going to be a thing? Yes. Ernest Klein is now writing the book very similar to, you know, Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller. Do you Miller. think there's going to be a movie? I guess I should specify. Uh, yeah. I, it made enough I, money. There's no reason um, why it wanted. I think it's too early to say that. At this time, it's barely made back its budget. That's fine. You know, so I think it depends. And that's worldwide. I guess we'll have to see the drop off next week and see how bad it is. Yeah. Now, there's a good cushion, right? Because April doesn't really have a ton of stuff. You've got Rampage, of course. Infinity War. And then you've got Super Troopers 2 and then Infinity War. So um, not a whole lot of serious competition until you get to Infinity War. And by then, it's been out for a month. So um, if it's not going to make its money by then, it's not going to make its money. Right. Anyway, he's writing the book. And he wrote the screenplay for this with Zach Penn, so there's no reason why he wouldn't. I mean, Neil Gaiman and Frank Miller did the exact same thing after the movies went big. They started writing their sequels, so yeah, I, it's possible. I mean, if they want, to, if the production company wants to greenlight a sequel, there'll be a sequel. I just it needs to make more money than this. It's too expensive to to make that kind of money, you know. But from a toy perspective, I mean, if they want to give me a Back to the Future DeLorean with Ecto logos on it awesome you know i i will be cool i will check that out you know um i'd buy right gigantic iron giant right like this one like you know some of the ip is cool stuff you know if this leads to some new halo master chief action figures or something so be it (laughs) you know what a shame that would be All right. Well, then I think that's going to be it. We're actually for... just going to get remastering of Adventure. <laughs> like that's it. Oh yeah, one last thing. Oh uh, god. No, no. If, if for the, anybody who enjoys the old eighty style of games, it's not perfect by any means because I played around with it a little bit. But if you go to arcade one movie.com, there is a little old school arcade browser with several different games, including Joust and Tapper, and some that are actually based on the movie events, including some car chase stuff. And some other games. It's totally free. You can go play in your browser. And it's kind of fun. So I wanted to mention that. Okay. All right. Well, that is going to be it for us. What are we doing next week, Ray? We are talking about our favorite TV pilots. TV pilots. That should be interesting. Yeah. Ryan looks very excited. Ryan's also never watched TV before. No, so. I don't watch a lot of uh, shows. So yeah. Other than the superhero crap that we watch all the time. Oh, well, there's your list. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's what it's going to be. Uh, don't forget you can join us live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central at twitch.tv slash Heroes Podcasts. And we are at Heroes Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can go to heroespodcasts.com as well. The show is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Blog Talk Radio, and Spreaker. So you can find us pretty much anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, drop in the RSS feed, and what have you. I want to give a special thank you to all of our Patreon contributors. Uh, you guys are awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, significant shout outs to uh, Jordan, Doc Rev, and Trackboy. We appreciate you guys, our top three contributors. So thank you very much for all of your support. We will catch everybody next week. Thanks for tuning in. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.